0: In the world of school principals, there's plenty of technical research out there that principals can use to improve their craft and help students, but there's often still a disconnect in their professional development, and much of it has to do with the relationship between the principal and their principal supervisor. So when James Crawford formed his dissertation, it dealt with far more than the technical, and dealt specifically with those relationships, how trust is built, what that looks like when it occurs, what are the actions that take place, how does the professional relationship help learning? The research was good. In fact, it was award winning. Education Eclipse starts now.
1: Education, news, and research. These are the conversations happening inside education, athletic training, sports science, and sport management that are going to transform each. It's Education Eclipse from Washington State University.
0: Welcome back to Education Eclipse, and I'm joined by James Crawford now. He's the Chief Academic Officer at Federal Way Public Schools we're really excited to to have him here because he's a a recent graduate of one of our doctoral programs we'll get into that Uh, but he won the 2019 outstanding dissertation award from the washington education research association so james or dr crawford is a phd is it a phd or an ed doctorate it's an
1: ed doctorate okay
0: congratulations on not only graduating from the greatest university, but also for, for winning this award. So congratulations and thank you for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Tell us about your field of study. Uh, what made you choose education as a, as a field and, uh, what, I guess what brought you to, to earning your doctor of education here at, at WSU?
1: Yeah. So that journey, um, Started a while back, um, actually when I was smaller. So I grew up in Seattle, and I grew up in a home that, um, for lack of better words, just um, I would say, gosh, um, my parents didn't graduate from high school. So education was was something that was mysterious, I suppose. To my family um, not necessarily understanding the value of it um, or being uh, in a system that maybe uh, they weren't exposed to that value Um, so growing up as a small child you know i went through the school system Um, we grew up very very poor and i uh, had a strong interest in wanting to break that cycle and i didn't really realize that until i got to high school and when i got to high school you know, when I, was, when I was in high school, I'm of the age where we sat together on Wednesdays and watched 90210, and I would sit there and I would think to myself, how is it that these people can afford to go to college, and what does that look like? Um, even at that age, I didn't know that there were support structures in place that would help kids like me um, get, to, get to college. And I had a really great experience in high school. I had a wonderful high school principal and a college and career counselor who spent a lot of time with me talking to me about how the educational system works and the support structures that are in place um, for getting kids like me into college. So um, even initially, I thought I would be going to a community college, um, and they really encouraged me to go to a four-year. And as I was looking at different schools, you know, Washington State University popped out as a school that would be close enough to home, but would be far enough where I could become my myself, you know, um, and find I guess who I was as a person. So, um, so yeah, I graduated high school and on a whim, I, WSU was the only school that I applied to that I can recall, um, and I was excited. I remember getting into my car, I had this black Volkswagen, <laughs> um, and driving over to Pullman, and it was actually it was actually kind of scary because I had not traveled before. So leaving home for the first time was really difficult for me. And I remember going through the wheat fields on my way to Pullman and seeing a combine and not knowing what that was and thinking, oh my goodness.
0: When people from the east side of the state head over to Seattle, of course, they're also very nervous because they've never driven in traffic like that. Right.
1: So yeah, so I got to to WSU and I had always wanted to be a teacher. Um, When I was in high school, like I said, I had really, really great teachers that inspired me. And I thought, you know, if there's one way that I want to give back to this world, it's to give back in a way that that gave to me. You know, I would not be where I am today without really good people uh, that supported me and a school system that really um, saw something in me and wanted to cultivate that. So everything I've done in education has, has been rooted from a place of wanting to give, give that back in some way, shape or form. And so I knew I wanted to be a teacher. Initially, I thought I was going to actually be a math teacher. Um, but I, I ended up becoming an English teacher, um, after four years. Um, and, and I loved, I loved the Pullman community. It is, um, you know, speaking from my heart, a really, it's, it's just a, they just wrapped their arms around me and they, it was just, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. I remember not just my college years because my college years were great. Like I had really, really good professors like Tark Akmal, who just, he was my advisor. And when I would talk to him about what I was going through and how I didn't have a place at home um, to go to in the summer or to go back to, therefore I couldn't do my student teaching. He did some wonderful things to get me where I needed to in my student teaching um, experience. I student taught at Pullman High School. Um, And that, that, that experience was the first kind of toe dip into the Pullman community. Um, and got me interested in wanting to stay in Pullman um, for a little bit longer. And so, you know, after that experience, I, I interviewed for a teaching position at Pullman High School, and I got that position. And I, like I said, that, that community was just, I don't know, there's just something about it. It's hard to describe. But, you know, even when I go back there today, you just feel a sense of love and um, pride and, uh, just, it, it just feels good. It makes your heart warm.
0: See, I like you already. Uh, you're going to, you're going to enjoy this. Um, I have Coogs plates on my truck and, uh, what does it spell out? I, I got vanity plates. It says Pullman. That's what my license vanity plates say. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to have to send you a, uh, a little vinyl decal, which I also have on my, on my truck. It says hashtag Pullman proud.
1: I love that. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I brought um, I brought my husband there, you know, having gone through WSU for my doctorate, you know, he's come over there for the Summer Institute mm-hmm. um, and then most recently for graduation. And he had never been to Pullman before. And he didn't go to college. So, but the experience that he had by going over there made him inspired to want to go back to school. And so it's funny because three weeks ago he... He brought out some paperwork for wanting to get his degree from WSU because he was so inspired by the community that he felt when he was there. And that's, that's the community that you feel as soon as you drive into that space. It's just it's permeated in everything you do.
0: That makes me happy to hear. Um, let me ask, uh, I don't want to go back too far in, in time, but I think it's incredible that often you hear about folks that don't finish high school, but then maybe their, their child gets a bachelor's degree or something. You went from no high school all the way to doctorate, which I think is just incredible. But um, you know, even if your, your parents didn't understand, it wasn't a life that they lived, like their lived experience was, was not um, you know, obviously what you lived, were they supportive of this saying, hey, we're, we don't really know what this means, but we're, we're happy that you're getting as much education as you can?
1: I think my grandparents were, you know, my grandparents were kind of the lifeblood of who I was and they're the ones that encouraged me to kind of spread out my, my wings and go, you know, there was always this left impression in my family that if you stay, you're going to get sucked into something that isn't going to take you down that space. So I think that for my grandparents, that, that's where that was rooted and even getting my doctorate while something I always wanted to do, um, it was really for them. It was really something that I felt like, you know, in our family, if there's one thing I can do is just get to the finish line. And that finish line was that degree in a lot of different ways um, for them.
0: You mentioned giving something back. And I, I think that's a draw that a lot of folks have. I, I know our foundation always likes to, uh, to tug on that one for people, you know, when they're, when they're asking for money. But aside from the feeling of giving something back, you obviously have learned something through this whole process do you find yourself more capable actually of being that person who can help a high schooler who can help you know mold them to help in- inspire them to help them move to whatever is best for them do you find that you've you've learned something in this process that actually will make you even more effective
1: yeah i think so you know i go back to my first year teaching at Pullman high school and i had these small class sizes and i taught that uh, a ninth grade English class there. And to this day, I have pictures of that class. And they just, they remind me of the inspiration that I felt after that first year. So I left Coleman High School after the first year. Um, one, because, you know, I, I, I felt like I needed to get to a bigger city in order to kind of spread out my wings and figure out who I was as a person. But also um, because I was frustrated. I was frustrated with the educational system. The kids that I had my first year had some needs that I felt I, there was so much more I wanted to do with them that I couldn't do because of the bureaucracy that was attached to to education, funding, things like that. And it, it it wasn't necessarily about a particular person. It was really just about the entity of what education is and how to give access and opportunity to kids who don't, who've never experienced or, or who don't have it. And so at the end of that first year, I was so frustrated with the field of education that I left not thinking I was going to teach again. In fact, I got, I went, I went, came back to Seattle and I got some temp jobs working for, you know, different places. And then it was um, mid September. When I realized when my friends who were teachers were going back to the classroom, um, I was just, I missed it. And I was like, you know, I can't not, it drew me back to the classroom. I was inspired by the work that they were doing and, um, there was almost a loneliness that I felt by not being in the classroom. And so, um, this is another part of the story that's funny around WSU, my field supervisor, Guy, Guy Pitzer. Yes. Guy Pitzer. He was my field supervisor there. And he, I contacted him and I said, look, you know, here's the deal. This is where I'm at. And he said, you know, I've got a friend, um, Barb Pope in, uh, Puyallup, Washington. And, um, she's got, she may have a job. Let me contact her. So, I, he, he called me back and he's like, you know, there is a job, they're interviewing, why don't you apply? I applied. She called me that day. She's like, can you come down here for this interview? I said, yeah. Um, I went down there, interviewed, and, you know, a couple days later she called and she offered me a job in Puyallup. Um, and so, so I, I got back to the classroom teaching high school English and debate at both Emerald Bridge and Rogers in, um, in Puyallup. And as I was teaching each year, I was learning something more about the kids. The, the kids were teaching me probably a, a lot, I would say a lot more than I, I maybe had been teaching them. I think it's reciprocal in nature. I think that happens in high schools where you know, the kids are of an age and they're having discussions around the world, um, globally, uh, their local community, who they are, what do they want to do civically in order to improve um, that space. And I, I realized, in talking with colleagues, that you know, I would love to do something at maybe a larger level. And at the time, that's when that concept of instructional coaching kind of emerged. And instructional coaching is really, you know, a teacher that's out of the classroom that is providing support to other teachers in order to reflect on and improve their own practice. And Q all up uh was starting at that program at the time, and so um, And so I moved into that space where I became an instructional coach and I was going through classrooms and working with different teachers on, on, on enhancing their practices. And I had, you know, really great mentors who said, you know, you'd be a really good uh, school principal and administrator. And I'd never really thought about it. I'd thought about it a little bit, but I hadn't really, I mean, you're 29 years old, 30 years (laughs) old. You're thinking, you know, I remember my school principal, he was like 45, 50 years old. I don't think that, that, no, I've got a lot of other things that I probably wanna do in the next 12 years where I I need to learn more. And they said, you know, you'll get the on the job experience, here's what it is that you need to do. And I guess my point is each layer of those experiences impacts kids in a different way. So as a classroom teacher, I was able to have daily ongoing conversations around the academic components of it. And as I I got further away from the classroom, my impetus on impacting education is really, the people that are closest to those kids. So, as an instructional coach, I was directly impacting the teacher. As a principal, directly impacting the teacher. Now that I'm at the central office, you know, and I'm in a central office role, most of my support is now in supporting principals. And in doing that, that was what really sparked my interest in wanting to study um, what my, my what my dissertation is about, and how do you improve or enhance the practices. Um, and the systems that are in place so that principles can ultimately impact teachers in a positive way which then ultimately impacts kids I don't know if that makes sense but. It, it
0: absolutely makes sense and, and I think it's really important that we all know what what our why is of course so you know what what is the outcome and why do I do what I do it, it helps keep you grounded. it helps your, remind you why you were in education in the first place. And I think that's even more important when you're an administrator, because you have to remember that you enjoyed or felt a sense of purpose in helping who ultimately was at the end of that line, which was a student, right? And and I think a lot of administrators, they get so into the administration portion of it that, that they lose their passion sometimes. And so I, I think that's really important that that you remember that you are helping those who are helping those who are helping kids, right?
1: I mean, I remember that very first day that I, got, I pulled up to Pullman High School, and it was the old Pullman High School, you know? And I remember getting those keys and being so inspired by that work. And I also remember at the end of that first year being frustrated with that. And I take that with me in the position that I have now because a lot of the conversations we have um, in my current role is around, is around access, is around opportunity, is around making sure that every child, regardless of the exceptionality that they come to our space with, um, the color of their skin, their socioeconomic background, regardless of what that is, that we are setting them up for success. And that, when I, even when I think about growing up, um, that, that's what inspires me and it keeps, keeps me going.
0: That's awesome. And yes, there have been some changes in Pullman with not only the building, but some of the administration. And I'm not going to try to recruit you, but I am. So there's always a place for you back here in (laughs) Pullman. So (laughs) that's a great high school, just so you know. Um, Well, well, so let's talk about the dissertation. And um, again, outstanding dissertation award from the Washington Educational Research Association. So that's a heck of a, a thing to hang your hat on yeah, let's talk about in broad strokes first, and then I'll, I'll surely give you some follow-up questions. But let's talk about what the, uh, what the problem or the issue is. You know, what is it that we see that um, we want to research? And then, you know, you can talk a little bit about the, the methodology, like how, how you went about the research and what, what it is that you found and, and um, you know, how we're going to save the
1: world. <laughs> right. Well, so I, when I initially started the program, My interest was in examining um, principal practice, school principal practice, and I had been reading research around um, this concept of principal coaches and, you know, the differences between evaluating somebody and coaching them and how do they, and in, in what ways do they intersect and in what ways are they successful when they do intersect, and, you know, there's a lot of work that comes out of the University of Washington, the Wallace Foundation, that talks about, the technical structures for how that coaching model works and a a lot of those models are on the east coast there there are not many that are on the west coast and so um, that was my initial thinking around that project and when I spoke with my committee around it they encouraged me to kind of think about that from a different perspective because you know the point of the dissertation is is to create. Is to create new research, right? And if the research around that that aspect is already there, then um, what would you contribute to? So, which was which was I would say, you know, frustrating for me because I had spent so much time on that. But it was it was the best thing that could have happened um, because what I found actually came about organically. There is a school district. Um, on on the west coast that school district that i focused on that was using a principal coaching model that happened to be new to that district so i wanted to i wanted to spend time there and i wanted to really examine you know what what are the practices um what takes place between the principal supervisor and the principal that lends itself to the relationship um, and and the professional learning that takes place to improve their practice so that they can improve outcomes for kids that's really what I was, I was taking a look at, at and examining. So when I was meeting with principals, I was having discussions with them about, um, about that relationship that they have with that person, really more of the adaptive components, not necessarily the technical. And by technical, I mean, you know, um, how many times does this person come out? Those are technical in nature. I was more examining how is, how does, how is trust built? You know, um, what does that look like when trust is built? Uh, What are the actions that take place? Um, What does professional learning look like? Um, And how does that impact the relationships that you have? Or how does the relationship impact the professional learning or does it hinder um, or enhance enhance that experience? And what I found as I was listening to principals was something that was much deeper. It was really around um, an organization that was going through a lot of change and and how the, how the organizational changes that were taking place were ultimately impacting the professional learning and the relationships between the supervisor, coach, and the principal, which I thought was really, truly fascinating because I had not gone into the research with that perspective because it forced me then to begin to start thinking about and researching organizations as an entity and organizational change um, social learning theory: um, How people interact within an organization that's going through drastic changes. You know, this organization for so long had been siloed out, um, and by siloed, I mean that each school was doing its own thing. The principal was left to make all of the decisions around how those outcomes were going to happen, with very little support from the district office. And when you look at the research, you find that that. While decentralization has a lot of research that shows it's successful, the decentralization that took place in this particular district was not aligned to what the research showed were the best practices. So, for example, I could go to one high school and graduate with 26 credits and then go to a completely different high school in the same district and graduate with 32. Uh How does that happen? And how does that impact the relationships and the learning that the principal needs to be an instructional leader in their building? How could, a, how could a central office garner all of the resources? When we talk about access, when we talk about opportunity that was, that I was just discussing around my own experience and what I experienced as a first-year teacher, a school district can't do that. They can't garner all of their resources and funnel it into 39 different sites when all 39 sites are doing completely different things. It's not possible. And so that's why um, often there is a pull in the and a tug between centralizing and decentralizing organizations in education. And so, so as I was talking to principals, I'm, t- I'm, I'm listening to them. I'm listening, I'm hearing that this particular school district for the last 15 years prior to the current leadership had been decentralized. And that's what led up to 39 different silos. And that was led and spearheaded by the leadership at that particular time. You know, in the late, um, in the late 1990s, early 2000s, you know, that's when the, well, I would say earlier than that, the standards-based movement was there, but that's really kind of when it, it took off in a lot of different ways with school districts. And as as the surrounding school districts that were kind of um, cocooning this district were moving towards standards-based education, for example, this particular district continued to do what had been doing for the last 10 years, and they didn't move along. And, in order for them to have moved along, they would have had to make changes to, to the organization. So, so you see, I'm listening to principles and I'm hearing, Oh, there was, there was change that took place. I mean, you know, some principles would have described it like um, the wild, wild West where everyone was just out <laughs> for themselves. And then, um, you know, and then a new, a new leader came in and this new leader examined um, the organization as a whole. And, found a lot of frustration with the lack of training, learning. Ultimately, all of that boiled down to this concept of decentralization and and, and centralizing organizations. And because of that, flipped kind of the district a little bit by saying, you know, we can't, the district office can't garner all of the support that you're asking for under these particular conditions, right? The, 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 The decentralized conditions. And if, what, as a result of that, it's eroded trust. Um, there's there's not a lot of uh, laser-like focus. Um, each the, it, There are unequitable practices and opportunities taking place. You know, when you have one child in a ninth grade English class that's learning one thing and then you can go next door and they're learning something completely different, the opportunities and the access for those two groups of kids, it, that, that's, that's, what, that's the inequity that I'm talking about. Um, and so how do you fix that, right? How do you, how do you change that? Well, you know, the building principles are, are a large part of that. You know, research shows that the number one factor in improving student achievement is the classroom teacher and number two is the building principle. So if, if the building principle is the number two factor and they're that important, and we have instructional coaches already built out for teachers to help improve them. Why wouldn't we have some sort of coach that comes in and helps support principals, particularly in this, in this particular situation with this district, right, where principals for so long may not have received the kind of learning that they needed to, to live up to kind of the expectations of instructional leadership that they were being asked to do. So
0: I'm just amazed at... In spite of deficiencies, how far we've come, because I hear things like these kind of coaching models and and other things like mentorship. And man, I don't think any of this existed when I was going through school. I mean, it was easy on every level to see different silos and there was the law and that was it. Here's what is imposed. You shall do this and then then that's it. I, I think we just, we have come a long way, even though we have a lot further to go.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think if you were to take this, the same idea, and the same concept outside of my dissertation, and you were just to think about education in general, we, we, we continue to have that. When you look at the funding structures that are taking place for different school districts in Washington state, it's inequitable. And while we try to fix it, it doesn't change the fact that a district like Mercer Island or Bellevue, um, the opportunities and access that they get as a result of the funding streams that funnel through to those districts are vastly different in school districts that are not as affluent. And until that, those things need to change. You know what I mean? Until that happens, then then kids who are often impoverished or minority, they don't get the kinds of opportunities and access that their white counterparts do. And it, that that when I think about my own experience growing up in Bremerton Washington, when I think about the experiences of the kids at Pullman High School that I was teaching the first year, that's the frustration That's that's the frustration that I had around that why why is that taking place and how is it that we're not flipping it in a way that allows more access and opportunities similar similar in gesture to the, the district that I was describing in my dissertation, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So you know all this stuff now. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about application to federal way public schools as an example, because you're the chief academic officer. I mean, how, how much leeway do you have to say, Hey, you know, here's what I've learned um, not only from experience, but from actual scholarly work from research and uh, how much latitude do they give you to um, to try to implement change?
1: So, in federal way, um, as the chief academic officer, I don't I don't I don't oversee principals per se. So I don't I don't supervise them. What I do is I focus on the programming that takes place. And in our district, um, under the leadership of, uh, of Dr. Tammy Campbell. Um, she truly believes in what I've just kind of described. Um, she she truly believes in ensuring that we have what's called a guaranteed and viable curriculum in our district. That you know we have common assessments that teachers are using to evaluate how well kids are doing in the classroom, and then figure out in teacher teams how they're going to course correct and ensure that kids get the opportunities that they need. Um, she believes in that. She believes in, in 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 alignment in those ways. Um, and as part of her cabinet, I am directly part of the conversations that take place in terms of the kinds of support that our principals need and the kinds of support that our classroom teachers need. Um, I think from my own personal learning experience, and I, I think about the theoretical components that I've learned around the dissertation, um, one, of, one of the things I would love to do next is to really put those things in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, by being a, a, a coach of principals in some way, um, because I, while I don't directly touch principals, I go alongside um, their supervisor to help provide that kind of support in my current capacity.
0: I always do wonder the the so what the the therefore what. Often with research, you hear here are the results, and you want to know, okay, well, what what is going to happen with this? Other than being a peer reviewed journal article that, you know, six people may read, um, you know, is it a funding issue that needs to go to the state legislature? Is it a different issue that goes to the state legislature dealing with, uh, you know, some kind of state academic model? Is it something that has to go federal, you know, and you need some kind of congressional support for, uh, for something? Is it, um, you know, any number of things where it's not sitting on a shelf, uh, yeah, actually seeing the application of that research, uh, to me, is exciting, right? It means that, that what we did mattered. Now that you've won the dissertation of the year award, what do we do to make sure that somebody in the right place is not only paying attention, but they're they're running with it?
1: Well, I think, you know, I think it comes down to learning. You know, I think if you were to, if you were to think about it from a state level, I don't know... I don't know the the knowledge base that many of our legislators have around topics like these. You know, I think they depend on us to come in and help educate them in those areas. And the research is is there around the technical components of what it's going to take to make something like this happen, right? Um, There's research around ensuring, you know, this is to be effective that, you know, a principal coach needs a small number of principals to be able to work with. Well, then that requires funding because you need to hire more of them, right? And where is that funding going to come from, other than you know the state legislator in some way, shape, or form? Because you don't want to pull it from kids, from kids, and from other from other spaces. So I think from that aspect of it, um, I think that I think that there is an examination of the kinds of professional learning and support structures from our 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 state office and our association. That are funneled down to different school districts to help them understand the differences between evaluation and coaching, and how you garner trust. Um, so I think it's multifaceted. I think there's different layers of this, um, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know the level by which the conversation is currently taking place in this area.
0: That makes sense, and um, I know for one, I'm going to stay on top of it. I, I want to see what materializes and, and I guess we're just one, one portion of this, you know, we, we've been told about it. We're sharing the word and, and, um, you know, believe it or not, often even popular media can gain the attention of the right people. (laughs) So I want to talk about WSU because I did uh, undergraduate work here left and ended up coming back, you know, I think 11, 12 years later. Uh, to work at, at Washington State University, really to be part of the Pullman community. We thought that this would be a, a good place to bring our four kids, uh, one of which is at the high school right now. And, yeah. and um, you know, just talk about that, that love that you have for, for WCU. Gosh,
1: I don't even know where it starts. So my first year, I, my first two years, so I stayed in Stevenson. I was in Stevenson South, those crazy towers over yeah, oh, there. Oh, yeah, it's, um, yeah we, we still got them right? Um, so I, I stayed there my first year and then I became uh, what they had was like a residential education advisor at the time. And mm-hmm. basically, it's like an RA. Sure. But what you did is, is the, the students would self-select on into that a particular topic or a particular subject area. So these were guys that wanted to go into education. And so they would take classes together. I don't know if they still have this, but they would take classes together. I had already been through the classes. So um, I would set up times for like tutoring and being able to support them in different ways. So I did that for a year and that's kind of where I met my, my roommate. Um, and then I, I lived in Boulder Creek off campus. You know, I just think that from the perspective of a student, everyone there is so inclusive and welcoming. Mm-hmm. You know, I did, I was not out as a gay man until, um, I was done with school, sure. but I was out as a gay man when I was a teacher at okay. school in high school and, um, and they embraced all of that. When I say that they embraced all of me, they really did. They wanted to get to know who I was as a person. They, they saw value in me and, and that is coming from someone who didn't know himself yet. Was still trying to figure out who he was. Sure, was fearful of how he was going to be treated. Absolutely. in a small town surrounded by wheat fields. <laughs> and I hear all these stories of just craziness, and you're thinking, "Oh, do I have to watch my back?" And you didn't. You really didn't. Yeah, and Pullman just, is an
0: interesting community that way.
1: It is. It's just, and it, and it, and when I say it, that that space permeates, because it does. They treat everyone, regardless of who you are, just like that. You show up every day who you are, and people accept that. And I love that about it. I love everything about it. That's the awesome. The staff at WSU, amazing. They when I, when I talk about opportunity and access, you know, and sharing my story with the people who were supervisors of mine at the time, they listen to that. And they could have easily turned around and said, yeah, well, you know, I'm sorry, you got to figure it out. And they didn't do that. And a lot of large universities or um, universities that, that don't have the kind of community built that WSU does, I could see that happening, but they didn't do that. You know, they took that into account and then they, they, they supported me and they followed through with everything so that I could, I could get that field, you know, that field experience in a space where um, it was safe for me and in a space where I was able to financially be able to do that. You know, it's small details like that, that I think in many schools you don't get, but WSU is a large school in a small setting and you feel that kind of community. It's just, it's interesting. You know, I love the University of Washington. I got my master's there, but when I would go on to campus at the University of Washington, I would not feel the kind of community that you feel when you're walking down the street or you're going from building to building on the campus at WSU. You right. just don't feel it.
0: Right. You're building Cougar calves together. Everybody.
1: <laughs> you are. As they, as and, they say. and you feel it. You feel it in the, in the community as well. You know, I could get a Calzone at Sella's. you know what I mean? Like I could, and you still feel it. Like every, there's such pride in what's been built there and they're willing to, they're willing to see it through, and then they're willing to support you not just in the school, but then beyond. You know, when I had people like Guy Pitzer who calls Barb Pope, and Barb Pope went to WSU. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you, you have that experience with them, and you know it, it just... And then they're willing to support you beyond that space. I don't know. I don't, I, I've not seen it happen in any other space other than, than the time that I've had at WSU
0: speak of something resonating that that certainly resonates with me i mean i did my grad school at syracuse university i i love the orange right i have much affection and care for all of my fellow uh, grad students that were with me right these are colleagues that are in the field some of them have left the field and they're doing other things Uh, but it was an urban campus right it was it, it was easy to leave and and go somewhere and find something else to do you're not, and I don't mean this in a bad way, stuck in the middle of a wheat field. And there's this family feeling, which I, I think you, you really do have to um, experience this or something very similar to this to understand why Cougs get really excited and seeing back home and, and it matters to them. So what you say yeah, absolutely like, makes sense.
1: When we, when we went back, I could easily see, it's so easy to go back there and to feel like I could, I could, I could raise a family here. You know, my roommate in college, um, Keith Wiggins, um, whose family is from that area, moved over to the west side and ultimately he's back in, he lives back in Pullman. You know what I mean? He went back to that space because of what was there. Moran, who was an REA with me at the time in Stevenson South, built her family, the start of her family over here, and is now living in Pullman. You know, so there's, it's not just me, it's with, you just go back and you feel it. You could say, yourself gosh I could raise my family here this would be the place where I would want to do that
0: Moran lives like four houses down from me so
1: oh she does yeah
0: I think she'll be pleased to know that she came up in a random podcast for the college of Um, education yeah
1: (laughs) will you tell her I said
0: hi will do will do well let me because you're not an educational robot which is why I I brought up uh, WSU but you know I figure I'd be remiss we've got a little bit of time Uh, tell me you know what uh, aside from education, what, what you get excited for, what, what you're passionate about. I mean, when you wake up in the morning, aside from, from the job, what, what do you like?
1: Well, we travel, we, we love to travel. So traveling is really important to us. So I recently got married. So I got married in December 29 of this past year.
0: Okay, congrats. And so,
1: yeah, thank you. So we, we love to travel. Um, we have a camper, so we love to camp. I could camp all year long i love the winter camp i love the feeling of just the cold brisk air that's outside and then just kind of being knuckled up inside um with some hot chocolate um i you know we're unless it's like the seahawks or it's like the kooks or something like that we don't necessarily follow sports per se that's not that's not something that um that we do often Uh, but we both kind of we work a lot you know and um, and so we spend as much time as we can doing other things. Um, now that I'm done with my dissertation, I'm finding that there is a life beyond studying all night long. Um, <laughs> I told Jim, the first time that I walked outside in the, in, you know, in the, in the fall and got to see the changing colors of the leaves, um, I hadn't seen that. I felt like in years. So that was, that was cool for me. So yeah, I just, um, you know, we live very simple lives. There's not a whole lot to what we do. It's yeah. simple, but fun. It is. It's simple, but fun. And it's meaningful. You know, you only get one life.
0: You said travel. So any, any cool places you've been in the last few years or last five years or.
1: Uh, five years. Goodness. Um, yeah, like, you know, we've, we've gone overseas, um, to Europe which has been really cool. Um, I, You know, I'm kind of looking for that next space that I want to go that's going to kind of uh, catch me off guard, I suppose. I think we've played it safe with traveling lately. We've gone to a lot of places where I think it's comfortable for us because we can navigate the culture and um, the systems because it's so similar to where we're coming from. So for me, I would like to go somewhere where it's going to kind of challenge my thinking and allow me to be exposed to something that's going to make me uncomfortable. I'm the
0: exact opposite. I mean, if I'm by myself, it's fine, right? I'll go, I'll yeah. go see you do the, I don't know what it is, but you know, when you, when you got four kids in tow, they're making yeah. fun of me all the time saying, Oh, dad only takes us places where he's already been. I So well, that's because there's a stress level, right? I mean, yeah, it, I mean, you guys get hungry and then hangry. And if I get lost, you start chirping from the vaccine about, yeah. about not knowing where I'm going. I said, absolutely. I want to know the lay of the land before I take, take, t- take you guys anywhere. Right. So, so every time I go on a, a new trip, my kids, they'll, they'll start, uh, oh, man, teenagers. I don't know how you deal with these people. Uh, any Anyway, they start saying, oh, well, now now we're eligible to go to this city.
1: <laughs> right? This past weekend, we were looking at surrogacy. Okay. And what does that, what does that mean for us and what does that look like? Um, so I think for me in the next few years, I would love to have children of my own mm-hmm. and, um, and experience what you're describing. It, it it's a lot of fun. It's frustrating yeah. as
0: heck sometimes. That's a lot of fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, Hey, I appreciate uh, chatting with you when, when you or, or you and your husband are, are over here next time in Pullman, We'll make sure to touch base because you know I'd love to uh, swap good Pullman stories and uh, I have already, as we're talking, I already messaged Moran and she said yes. Blast from the past, we were RAs in and Stevenson and South together, so so that's what you get when you when you come back to a I small community.
1: <laughs> it's true.
0: Well, cool. Hey, James, I really appreciate it. Um, Dr. Crawford, uh, Federal Way Public Schools, for for not only giving us a little bit of insight into your life, but also this incredible work that you're doing. I I think it's amazing. So I appreciate you joining the podcast.
1: I appreciate I appreciate you inviting me. And thank you for making it um, a comfortable experience.
0: (laughs) You bet. And, And one last thing, what do we always say at Wazoo? Go Cougs.
1: Go Cougs. You've been listening
0: to Education Eclipse, a College of Education podcast from Washington State University.